Welcome to the Republic of Football, where once again, it's always football season. This is a very special episode, too. First off, I'm joined by my co-host this week, Ishmael Johnson of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, one of the state's newest faces, Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, will be joining us a little bit later. I'm going to be doing the A&M portion of the Summer Magazine, and he graciously carved out some time for us. Uh, we learned a lot about him and the Aggies. I also went out to practice on Thursday. Uh, so like I said, he'll be joining us a little bit later on the show. But this is already a very different A&M program under Jimbo Fisher. Uh, we're only a handful of practices into the spring for A&M. But he's still getting used to his guys. And especially when you don't have pads on, uh, you, know, you, you haven't gone full pads just yet, uh, shorts and, and shoulder pads, you're trying to see who we've got. For, for Jimbo, the, the main thing he's looking for is sort of attitude. Um, who's invested in this program? You know, I think the, the comparison he liked to make was commitment versus participation. Uh, you know, cosmetically, there's no music anymore. The, the DJ from the Sumlin era is gone. I thought it was also interesting, Jimbo, he is not a CEO coach. There's a handful, well, more than a handful. Some coaches have the CEO approach. They sit down with their assistants and they say, hey, you guys run this and practice, do this. And then they'll stand on the sidelines and kind of watch, observe, uh, make adjustments. That is not Jimbo's style. Uh, he's running around. He was right in the middle of the quarterback's coaching. You know, they're running slants, and he's telling them, you know, aim at the bottom of the numbers, fire it in there, you know, do this, do that. You know, he's yelling at tight ends that are uh, making, you know, bad routes, turning the wrong way. He's very, very involved. Uh, you look at the quarterback situation, I think it's pretty clear both in, in watching them and hearing Jimbo talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, Nick Starkle is the clear front runner. I think Kellen Mond, something special is going to have to happen for him to win that job. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, you know, Jimbo talks about he wants accuracy, he wants decision making. Mond made a lot of strides last year. He grew up a lot after being forced in before he was probably ready. Uh, and and he, he played well and, and, and progressed, but no question. Starkle throws a better ball. He's more accurate. Uh, he's a guy that I think uh, can be special for A&M, uh, and especially under a, a guy who's you know built up so many quarterbacks uh, from, you know, obviously Jameis Winston to, you know, E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponder, guys that were great college quarterbacks, uh, and, and, and were drafted in the NFL as well. And I think it's interesting, too, fans are, are obviously fired up about know taking snaps under center we've got tight ends we've got fullbacks back on the roster I do think it's funny though the first time that they lose a game and they score 17 points you're gonna you're gonna hear that flipped on its head guys will be oh you know uh, we're running an, an offense from 1991 what is this it's killing us on the recruiting trail uh, I think you're gonna hear those kind of things but ultimately I, I think the sense that I got from Jimbo in the time around him and seeing him, is it's clear he's spent a lot of time running his own program. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what he wants A&M to be. It's just a process of doing that. Uh, you know, you look at Jamon Osbin, a guy that's got some potential. He had a nice practice for, from what I saw. He looks the part. Uh, but the one thing I did notice, and Ish, I, I want to bring you in and, and see if you have any thoughts on this. For a while early on in someone's tenure, and he has Mike Sherman to thank for this, you had guys like Luke Jokel, uh, you know, obviously not early in someone's tenure, but Miles Garrett as well. A&M had that sort of 
get off the bus intimidation. There's only a handful of teams in college football that when you see them in person, just as a group, they just look different. You know, Bama has had that for most of Saban's tenure. USC, it kind of comes and goes, but largely because they can recruit so well, they've had that as well. There's only about three or four of them every year. A&M had one. They don't really have that anymore. You look at them, and you don't say, you know, wow, this is a different kind of team. And for a while, they did have that. But I don't, you know, you can win and not necessarily have that. But am I off base on this issue? When you look at A&M, not necessarily, because I think it's been true for a year or two. I think as it sort of tapered off, I think Miles Garrett's exit from the program seemed like kind of a, a benchmark for, for me where it kind of looked like A&M kind of looks like just another program at this point. But have you seen some similar things when you look at A&M-ish? I think so. Um, last year it was kind of the uh, – Christian Kirk was kind of – I guess you could make the the, the the argument that he was that guy. That yeah, physical, they didn't have anybody to get him the ball, but yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> that, that physical specimen where you're like, ah, that if, he, if only he can get the ball, if only he can touch it, you know, something can happen. Um, but, yeah, Miles Garrett was – before him this year they're really really looking for that guy um whether it was Sumlin kind of falling off in the recruiting trail later on they're missing they're missing out on those big guys that uh you know gravitated toward Texas this time around or uh or Texas and later in Charlie's career when he started picking up his recruiting um who knows or if they've gone to LSU Bama Ohio State you know if they've kind of lost that swagger that Sumlin kind of reinvigorated there for his first couple years in those classes I kind of agree. You're kind of looking around this A&M team, and you're like, "All right, who's the guy here? Where's the? Where's? We kind of thought it'd be Dalen Mack, you know? Yeah. Like uh, that really hasn't worked out at all. Um, I don't know if it's just been they've kind of busted the players that we thought would be those next guys. It's kind of busted, but um, I agree. There really isn't that 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 intimidating force. Yeah, Jimbo's got a lot of work to do. I, I think. There's not a guy that you look out there. I mean, I think Jimbo will develop some of these guys, and I think A&M will be fine mm-hmm. having a handful of draft picks eventually. But there's not that guy that you could pull a guy off the street and say, who's the first-round draft pick out here? Right, And right. they could go look and, oh, number 15 on the defensive right. line, obviously. That's see, the guy. You see Jager, they don't have you see that Jokel, guy. You see Matthews. Yeah. You know, all those guys. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like I said, Jimbo's got a lot of work to do to get A&M where they want to be. Um, but certainly, you know, he's done it at Florida State, um, and he feels confident about his, his ability to do that at A&M. You know, we talked about a lot. I'll have a lot more in the magazine, so subscribe and you can get that. But in this portion of the interview you're about to hear, he talks about selling the possibility of winning a national title at A&M, uh, selling that on the recruiting trail, what has to happen for the Lone Star Showdown to resume play, and what to expect in year one. Uh, we definitely appreciate him sitting down with us, and, uh, I think you guys will enjoy this conversation. Before we get into it, though, just a warning. For some of you psychopaths who listen <laughs> to podcasts at 1.5 speed, this is like the new thing. Really? I don't is get it? it. I don't get it. Is it a thing? It's very much a thing. And they I want you to talk faster? <laughs> well, I think people just like, I don't have enough time in my life to sit down for an hour, so I'm going to listen to one and a half speed, and then I can get this podcast knocked out in like 40 minutes. I've done that with, my I've done that with that. audiobooks, just because like, you know, typically audiobooks are read very methodically and slowly, yeah. so I've done that to kick that up a bit, but podcast yeah no, jimbo, like lives, already... jimbo lives his life in 1.5 speed so <laughs> if you if you try to listen to him at one point uh, slow it down guys. right <laughs> take some time crank that down to quarter speed probably exactly exactly i think you will enjoy this uh i think it was a a great conversation and with that said here is the head man at texas a&m jimbo fisher 
So, yeah, so Jim, when, you, when you look at this team, what excites you the most uh, on the field? Uh, I mean, I, I see enough athleticism. I, I see uh, good guys, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I see the potential at every position. I really do. There, there's, but it's just a matter of developing it and, and our culture and our way of doing things. I mean, there's, I don't know if there's anything in particular that jumps out at you, especially, when, and it shouldn't yet, because, but as an overall group, their genuine attitude and their willingness to be coached probably excites me as much as anything. Mm -hmm. Where do you think, uh, when you go on the recruiting trail and you look for that, what, how do you kind of mine that in, out of guys and find guys that, that have that? That's well, I that. think, first of all, once you judge the athleticism, a guy's got enough ability to play here. You know what I'm saying? Then you've got to do your research. You've got to do your homework. His, you know, what's his character? What's his academics? What's his, and his intelligence level and his, and his willingness to be a team? You start doing all the background in, you know, research and all the guys and all the qualities of people who are successful, and you, and you try to, you know, as I say, wean them out. Mm -hmm. uh, for you, what's, what's impressed you the most uh, in terms of your team's athleticism as you've seen them? It's, it's still pretty early, but what impresses you? Uh, I think their overall physical shape and conditioning, the way they've taken to, uh, I mean, to Jerry in, 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 in the weight room and their, and their commitment to understand that they have to be in condition to have a chance to play. You know what I'm saying? And I think from that standpoint, they have done that. Because there is, I mean, there's plenty of athleticism. I mean, size, speed, all those stuff. But they're also the commitment to getting conditioned and understand the importance of all the things they got to do off the field. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think, what was kind of your main sell to guys? You guys made a big push on the recruiting trail late. What, what were you kind of selling and, and what was the reception? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you're selling that uh, to be the first, to be the first year that we, you know, we won one in 1939, to come be the first and be a national championship. And... When you're the first at something and you want to build something, I think it, I think there's a special ownership that goes with that and a special pride in it. You know what I'm saying? It's not they have never had success here, great teams, but you know the push to be a national champion. We're in a state is full of players, and then I mean playing in the, playing in a great league, and then the academics and the culture of this school and and that Ag, what that Aggie ring means. Mm -hmm. So when you when when somebody you know when you're recruiting, you're saying you can be one of the first, you can win the national championship. What kind of timeline? And that's are you I mean, that's guys? one of the things we sold. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, the academics. That Aggie ring means a lot too. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, so yeah. So what? What, so what, what kind, kind of timeline? Of, yeah. What kind of timeline are you talking? Well, how about? quick it is? Well, it's, <laughs> well, can, it can be quick. It can be long. It dep that depends on them. Mm -hmm. It uh, depends on how many of them come together. Mm -hmm. What's kind of the the priority for you in terms of of building for year one and year two? What are the things? The that culture you and understand the process that the power of preparation. And the intangibles, not the outcomes, the toughness, the effort, the discipline, the pride, and that word grit that gets instilled in everything we do. And we got to understand that and, and the way we live to create the right kind of championship quality habits. Mm -hmm. How good do you think this, this program can be? I, think, I mean, I think it can be as, as good as any in America. I wouldn't have came. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you feel like it's going to take for a to get there? You talk a lot about culture change. And Hard work things. and consistency. <laughs> mm -hmm. Simple. <laughs> it is. It's, it's not. I mean, I say it. It's not. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of hard work in the recruiting trail and find the right guy and consistency of doing it over and over and over, and not getting bored and and to put and and to grind it out. You get. You got to. There's no easy way to be good. The secret to success is simple. There is no secret. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hard work. Having have a have a plan. Have and and be able to go execute just like you do a game plan. When you've gone on the road. You're obviously a new face in the state. What, what are the questions that, that coaches are asking you, the guys that you're meeting for the first time? Oh, it's funny. They're not. I think in the beginning, I think they're just trying to see what I'm like. You know what I'm saying? Or see the responses and the things they had. There wasn't a lot of questions. It was more I, I got the feel of, of just, you know, them trying to see what I'm like or what my priorities are, what I'm trying to sell or what I'm trying to say. 
what is the simplest way that you describe the culture that you want? You've talked a little bit about commitment and hard work. Is that what, what's the very simple culture that, that understands priorities, that understands what is important that makes me successful as a person, as a student for these kids, as a player, and then you know, life after that. You know, in preparing yourself for that. And I mean, I think those qualities of and then being able to prioritize those qualities, and also that the place that you're at understands the priorities in which you're having, and they're willing to. Uh, be supportive in every way that they can to help those qualities come to fruition. And if they do, if everything, because listen, two plus two is always four. You know what I'm saying? Two plus two, plus two is never going to be three. It's never going to be five. And understanding that because you can't take a shortcut in anything you do. Has there been a time in your coaching career that you've made a major change to your philosophy that you feel like really impacted the way that your program operated? I think I, you, you do that every year. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, some little people think are little things I think are major. Some things people think are major I think is little. I, I, I don't know if there's any one thing, but I think it's just the willingness to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, the best idea in the last couple of years that somebody's come to you and said, we need to change this, and you said, I hadn't thought about that. There's not, there's not one that jumps out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, you know, people in this state want to see the Aggies play Texas again. What, what, what do you think has to happen for that to, to happen? For me? Mm-hmm. It's got to be good for the Aggies. We're worried about East. <laughs> we're, worried about, we're worried about LSU. We're worried about Alabama. We're worried about Auburn, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and the SEC. I mean, I mean, there's no – and we're booked out for a while. So, I mean, if, if it's it, – to me, it's like the stock market. If you invest in it, you better get, it better be worth a high return. <laughs> if, if, if there's not a high return in it and, it's, a, and it could cost – I mean, why, why do it? It's got to be what's best for this organization, this program. What's best in which way? To be that to, that there's a reason to do it. If not, because we're in another, we're in two different conferences, and where our landmarks and where we go is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, looking at this uh, this first season, what do you feel like are the things that that you that really concern you about this team? I don't know it enough yet. Mm-hmm. Just got we got to have the intangibles to play, and we got to have the mental capacity to deal with adversity. I think that's all children today. Can, can we get, we got to get them mentally tough enough and strong enough and confident enough in their abilities that they can deal with, with, the, with the good and the bad things that can happen and limit, learn to eliminate clutter. How much do you watch previous seasons? Is there anything to learn on that? Okay, no, not really on them because I don't know how they're coached. Yeah. You may say evaluate a player, but I can evaluate physical abilities, but I don't know. Well, how, what, what, is it, was he wrong? That, I don't know because I don't yeah. know how he was coached. I don't know what he was told. I think, we make, I think people and, and commentators and everybody else want to judge that you can judge physical skills, but do you know what a guy's told? You don't know what's going through his mind? I think it's very hard to mm-hmm. judge him. What's the, what's the best way to learn about your team? Coach them and practice them and live with them and communicate with them. No o- open lines of communication <laughs> and put them in those situations and communicate with them what you want and get their feedback and see what they're thinking, how they're doing it. And all relationships, number one thing. Open line of communication, you can have a relationship. Then you build trust, then you got a chance. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else you feel like we should know? No. About it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the time. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Moving on, away from AM, far out west, we have Texas Tech. Uh, Saturday, they played a scrimmage in Midland, the first of three. They'll be in Frisco before, uh, I think, what, this weekend. <laughs> then they'll play the final spring game, the, the, the last of three spring games in Lubbock, the actual spring game. Uh, but after Saturday's game we had four Texas Tech players including quarterback Jet Duffy 
arrested uh, for criminal mischief. What happened? What does that mean? We're still not sure. Cliff Kingsbury hasn't said anything. There haven't been a lot of details that have been released. But I think certainly Jet Duffy, a guy who missed all of last year after a university suspension for sexual misconduct, he was on thin ice. I, I will be surprised if this does not cost him a spot on the team. We will see what happens, though. But if that does happen, aside from, from the reality of whatever the future holds for Jet Duffy, a guy who was a very promising high school player in this state, it might be time for Cliff to take a look at the graduate transfer market. Yeah. Uh, we hit on this, obviously, last week, the trend of graduate transfers. The quarterback market, I wouldn't say it's strong this year, mm-hmm. but there are some guys out there. I think anybody who watched Texas Tech play Texas in the season finale last year would be open to the idea of, g- of giving <laughs> McLean Carter some competition. Right. <laughs> uh, that's as delicately as I will put that. Right, right. Um, so who's on the market? Now, I'll, I'll look at a handful of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get into that, though, I think Cliff's probably kicking himself and missing out on one Kai Loxley, the yeah. National Player of the Year, who ended up at UTEP. Sure. For Dana Dimmel. Right. That'd be an intriguing guy. What a get for them. Exactly. Instantly, they have a guy to build their offense around. uh, uh, Obviously, an FBS, a Power 5 caliber player. Sure. um, Coming there, you know, he might not have much to work with, but you'd rather have Kyle Loxley than not have Kyle Loxley. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Now, I'll say this. I think... Cliff has never really had to go down this road. True. But Every, everybody's kind of worked out for him. Yeah, but you're Cliff Kingsbury. You have turned out so many great talents yeah. over and over. He's exported talents. Exactly. <laughs> to to yes. other teams. Yes. <laughs> Heisman, two, two Heisman Trophy winners. He coached <laughs> one. He sent one to Oklahoma. He's probably sending one to the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, I think you're Cliff Kingsbury. If you're trying to get a quarterback, I think you carry a lot of weight. Sure. If you're a quarterback and you're looking for a place to play, and all of a sudden, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's blowing up your phone, you're taking that call. Right. You're 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 crazy if you don't. Mm-hmm. So some of the guys that are on there, I think number one on my list, if I was Cliff Kingsbury, mm-hmm. I am calling Brandon Dawkins. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, okay. He played at Arizona. He had a very promising career. He was looking good, and then last year. He got a little banged up, and Khalil Tate happened. Hmm. What are you going to do? Ish, I don't know who the Khalil Tate in your life is, <laughs> but sometimes you just get replaced by someone who is bigger and Probably better Probably an ex you. in my past life. I got Khalil Tate. I got Khalil Tate out of the way. Sometimes you got to tip your cap and say, say, you know what? Like, you know what? You're better than me. <laughs> but that does not mean that Brandon Dawkins is not a good player. Right. It looks like he wants to stay out west. UCLA has certainly been rumored in there. I think he'd obviously be a perfect fit in Chip Kelly's system. Yep. He's a little bit more of a dual threat guy, but at this point, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, you just want talent, right? And typically, you wouldn't, you know, typically if if in a normal year, I guess a normal Cliff Kingsbury year, you would eat the year, right? McLean Carter, you know, all right, uh, we'll wait till we got, we'll see what we got with him. Wait till next season. Can't do that right now. Win now. You got to win now. Cliff is not in a mode to say, all right, we're just gonna throw the season, or we're just going to see what we got with McLean Carter. He kind of has a motive to try to win seven, eight, nine games this year. And I don't know if McLean Carter's that guy. So it's worth looking at this market of grad transfers, JUCO guys as well, to see what see what's out there. I think you have to. Um, and that's the thing with Jet Duffy. If he does end up 
you know, not continuing his path on this team. Right. Even if they were not great this year, if you mm-hmm. saw some special things from Jet Duffy, sure. that's easier sell. Everybody remembers for, what for, did it's, a, it's an easier sell for Cliff to say, hey, look, we only went 7-5 and five this year, but look, we got Jet. He's got he's a, the expert. Yeah, he's, he's got the guy. potential. He can we can build around this. Right. That's easier for Kirby Hoka to say. Right. All right, we're gonna do an, we're gonna do another year, of Cliff. But this sure. is a hard sell now, and, and it's really got him in, a, in a, a tough situation. Sure. But you look at the other graduate transfers. Uh, they don't excite you, but uh, there's potential. Yeah. You have one Jeff George Jr. for Illinois. You have the departed Jacob Park from mm-hmm. Iowa State, and they just missed out. On Stanford transfer, Keller Christ, mm-hmm. who is going to Tennessee. There's a guy actually. But I will say this. Yeah, yeah. I don't see a ring on that finger from Keller Christ. <laughs> he go committed see if, to go Tennessee. See if Cliff can, can slide over. To the best of my knowledge, he does not have that degree and that signature yet. Cliff's going to give him the U up to Cliff. <laughs> goes down in the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to send him three dots. Three dots. I'm just saying, dog. Cliff, it can't hurt. It can't hurt. I will say, like, there, there's. Even if you don't want to go to the grad transfer market, there's a talent in Blinn. Quarterback Devin Williams from Mansfield Timberview. If you've watched Timberview since 2014, hasn't been great since he left. Uh, he is a Division One talent. He did. He had a great year his first year, his freshman year at Blinn. Uh, Blinn, as we know, is a great JUCO program that pumps out a lot of talent, most notably Cam Newton. Um, if you want, you know, I don't know if he's, he's – I think he's waiting another year at Blinn, but – I mean, like, it might be too late in the process right now, but it's something that's like, look, if Cliff wants to, he's a talent that he could possibly go and get. He's a he's a in-state talent as well. He fits the system. He's athletic. You know, it's an option. You know, we're, right now Cliff just needs options, and it might end up being just McLean Carter just gets the job. Cliff says, you know what, I'm going to see what I can get with this guy through a spring, through an entire fall. Maybe his confidence comes up. Maybe there's something that clicks, knowing that he is the guy going into the fall, and something happens. You know, we'll see. Um, this Jet Duffy news obviously is wait is worth hearing out, just because you know it could it, criminal mischief know. and uh, there's a lot of misconduct. Are two of the most ambiguous. Yeah, <laughs> criminal terms mischief ever. is a big umbrella. I, I think <laughs> I, yeah, and, and in the report, I believe it said that it, there was some property damage that's associated with his with his uh, with his charge. And um, I know the others are more disorderly conduct, which could range from fighting to swearing loudly in public, right? So it's such a ambiguous uh, thing going on right now that's worth waiting out. But, you know, we mentioned his previous uh, Title IX uh, situation last year. Um, who knows? They might just say, you know what? Not worth it. We will see. We'll be watching. But Cliff, never hurts to have options. <laughs> uh Elsewhere, in bad news across the state, Baylor linebacker Eric Ogre. Great start to last year. He will not be joining the Bears for the fall. If you're Matt Rule, you've got to be just frustrated at this point. He right. was dismissed from the team for, and I'm quoting Matt Rule on this, repeated violation of athletic department policies. He said it wasn't one big thing. Just a lot of little stuff. He was already suspended. Um, he had two sacks last year. He really came on early in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, he was a wrecking ball for them at at, uh, at linebacker. Cooled off a little bit late, but certainly promise. And that's where it just if you're trying to build, if you're Matt Rule and you're trying to dig this program out of a hole, and I don't think it's a very deep hole, but sure. it's a hole. This is already a thin roster. 
Uh, he needs Henry Black, Jalen Petra to step up, but you just got to be going home and just letting out a deep, long sigh. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're Matt Rule, just, you know, just come on, guys. Throw me a bone. Like, yeah, someone just throw me a bone. You need all of the horses you can get if you're Baylor. And, and now Matt Rule is down one. And it's a tough break for him. I, I think, obviously, when you're starting out a program, you've got to be pretty clear about your expectations. And if guys don't meet those, you've got to say, I'm sorry, but right. – that we got to move on, especially and someone like Matt Rule, who's already dealing with a tricky situation. Like very much so. To the microscope is on how he handles that. this program, right? And this no nonsense policy is what what you know what they needed and what he promised to bring them. He's like, look, that's the past. I'm moving forward. This is the way it's going to be. And when you see someone violating that, you have to act on it because we've seen how it develops and escalates and snowballs. Exactly. Well. Good luck, Matt Rule. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> Have fun. I think Baylor will be improved this year, but hey, that hurts Brewer, them. So that that's hurts something. them. You need as much depth as you can get, and Baylor doesn't have much right now. Right. Uh, moving on, a new segment. Um, this is actually new because it's our second show. Yeah. And we had a show, so we can call this new. <laughs> the overreaction of the week. Now, listen. Being in media is not easy. I try to steer clear of public media criticism more often than not because things happen. Uh, there's a little bit of a golden rule element in there. I know inevitably I'm going to screw up. I'd prefer a bunch of people don't be don't start pulling receipts on me whenever <laughs> whenever I make the inevitable mistake. Right. But the overreaction of the week for this week goes to CBS Sports. <laughs> Now, what did they do, Ish? You ask. What did they do? What well, did they do? I'll 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 make it clear. <laughs> they named one Vincent Young. Shout out to Greg Tepper's never-ending goal to get him to accept his Player of the Year trophy. Right next to me. <laughs> In the Class Five A. Uh, the worst. They named him the worst QB bust of the BCS era. Now, now I, sh- I should say. I'll give you the first word. On there this. was obviously some discussion, debate, motivation behind this. To me, there's this, this. To me, this is like it's just calling shenanigans. <laughs> I'm calling a little bit of shenanigans, saying mild shenanigans, because it would have been easy to say Jamarcus Russell, right? It would have been easy to say some of these other guys, but Vince Young, while while a bust, right? We can't we can't dispute that. There are people who are going to disagree with that, obviously. And I think there was a little bit of, hey, let's let's get the, let's get this let's get this some circulation. You're probably right. Let's get this a little bit. A little but bit I will going. say this: listen, has Achilles Smith <laughs> vanished into the ether? Actually, probably, probably like a fine, like a fine mist. Pro- have you heard of Achilles Smith since? <laughs> Did they confuse David Carr with his brother Derek Carr? Did they just forget about him? Uh, Did Matt Leinart pay to be omitted from the list? Now, he dropped on draft day, but Brady Quinn is 33, and he's dropping takes on Fox. <laughs> he's not dropping bombs on NFL defenses. <laughs> Johnny Manziel, one of the best college players of all time, a first-round pick in 2014, and he's getting ready to play in the Spring League in Austin. He hasn't been on a roster in two full years. And honestly, RG3 probably had the career most similar to Vince Young. Uh, he was a transcendent college player. Mm-hmm. Well suited for the new era in the NFL, had a great first year, but his career was derailed by injuries. Vince was a little bit more, you know, poor decision making, poor development. 
but certainly RG3 is on the list. Mm-hmm. Brandon Whedon almost won the Heisman, too. He had an incredible run yeah. for two years at Oklahoma State. And now he's basically a camp arm guy who's he's played for four teams since being a first-round pick in 2012. Like I said, Vince had his issues, mm-hmm. you know. His career vanished like a plate of chicken and dumplings at your neighborhood <laughs> cheesecake factory. But the biggest <laughs> QB bust of the BCS era, he's a rookie of the year. Yeah. He Madden took a cover team, boy. He took a Madden cover boy. <laughs> so is Peyton Hillis. Come on. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Don't throw him in there with Peyton Hillis. He was a rookie of the year. He took his team to the playoffs. Yeah. He's obviously flamed out, but he's barely a top five right. of the BCS era. Now, you need ish, to mention I Joey w- Arrington. Yeah, but well, that, he was barely the BCS era, wasn't he? I think he, uh, I don't know. It was close. But regardless. Still, yeah, right, right, right. So, Ish, I will out you as a Titans fan. All right. I don't know why someone would choose this fate for themselves, <laughs> but. Trust me, I don't know either. you. Have, you, have subjected, you have subjected your happiness and the quality of your weekends to. <laughs> The hands of Mike Malarkey, which whoa, don't do that. Whoa, don't do speak that. that name anymore. Right? He's it's, it's, it's anyway. head coach Mike Vrabel now. Anyway, <laughs> how would you, as a Titans fan, how would you categorize Vince's NFL career? Uh, brief, um, but like a comet streaking through the sky. I think that no, I think that's very accurate. You see it, you're like, oh, look at that! There it goes. Make a wish. See what see what happens. That wish was not granted. And then, and then and then the wish isn't granted. And then it keeps going. And then you're like, oh, there it goes. And then you forget it happened. And then, or you know, and then like the meteor of Jake Locker comes hurtling towards you afterward. But um, <laughs> uh, no, no. It, it, for some context, you know, I, I am I'm one of the younger ones in this office. So when Vince Young was drafted, I was it was I was still a young Texas fan as well. And so it was like the best of both worlds. Heels off the best moment of my sports life. Texas wins the national championship. Titans draft Vince Young. You learn that life is merciless and unfair pretty quickly. I'm right. Assuming. But then that then that exciting year happens. Rookie year. I believe he still has more interceptions and touchdowns, but you see it, right? You see it. The 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 infamous didn't overtime. He, didn't he pull the the Mike Vick win a game on a scramble? Right. No, it was an infamous overtime yes. game against the Texans. In his hometown, the team that drafted Mario Williams over him, it was awesome. Yeah, Rookie year was great. Second year happens, the infamous mental breakdown. Um, I'm, on, I, I, I'm on the record as saying that I think he and both – obviously Jeff Fisher did not want him, right? He hired Norm Chow, <laughs> Matt Leinert's offensive coordinator, to be the coordinator. So obviously some things happened. Subtle. Subtle, <laughs> right. Um, Obviously, Bud Adams' Texas ties probably had something to do with that. And by probably, I mean definitely had something to do with Vince Young being drafted. But I'm not going to lie and say Vince Young did not make being a Titans fan very exciting. In not, not, a, not a sarcastic way. Very exciting for about a good three years until it all came crashing down. Him and Jeff Fisher absolutely could not get along. Um, further backed up by the news a couple of days ago, or I believe yesterday, that Jeff Fisher reportedly did receive Vince Young's apology letter that Vince claimed to have sent in 2014 or 13, apologizing for everything. Jeff Fisher didn't respond, quote, because he spelled his name wrong on the letter. So you can... Hang on. That's a very petty situation. How do you, and, is there another way to spell Jeff Fisher? Does he go G-E-O-F-C? There's a C in Fisher. There's some people spell it with a C. That's a... That's a... That's a... That's a but by the way, who cares if he misspells your name... 
he's apologizing to you. Someone like Vince Young, who has been dealing with his own issues, right? Mental breakdown in 08, things like that. He's been getting over some stuff. So for him to come out and say, I was in the wrong, I think warranted an apology. Jeff Fisher came out a couple days ago and said, I didn't respond because of this petty excuse. You know, so they're both, it, it's, a, it's a back and forth thing. But You know, um, as somebody who was not super close to what went wrong for Vince in Tennessee, mm-hmm. the parallels between him and RG3 right. are, are only Shannon, growing right? stronger. Exactly. It's very interesting. Yeah. Coach Strife. Some weird owner, owner wants stuff. one thing. Yeah. So there's a lot there. You know, I'm not going to lie and say Vince Young didn't bring me happiness and a lot of Titans fans happiness because even when Chris Johnson broke the 2000 yard uh, mark, he was a big part of that. Um, and yeah, you know, it was a brief, nice moment. And I really, I think we were robbed of a potentially a great career. If, you know, his situations get worked out, if he had a coach that probably believed in him, if things went right, I think we're talking Vince Young in a different light. But instead, we're having this discussion about him potentially being the bust of BCS quarterbacks, which obviously we don't agree with. He was not. He was. He not. was a bust. The biggest bust. He was a bust. Not a, not on. the biggest bust. I'm yeah. with. I'm. I'm with Ish on this. He Shenan- followed shenanigans. He followed J- Jake Locker. Followed him. Who I'd argue was a bigger bust. You well. So I've talked to some scouts about Jake Locker because I was fascinated by him and Matt Barkley. I'm fascinated by, and okay. I think I think there was a lot more disagreement from the scouting community on those guys on whether or not they should have ever been top that, 10 picks. It's fair. very interesting. That's fair. Like, cause Jake Locker for like most of his college career was like, Oh, he's like the next, you know, but that was somewhat of a media creation. True, anyway, true, true, true. another day, but Vince, listen, you got a raw deal on that one. You did. That was, that was sorry. Moving on. I warned you guys in the first episode that there were going to be some food rants. <laughs> on this show, <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's just, it's just I can, I can only, knowing yourself. you, I can only I can only imagine what's to come in the future from <laughs> this pre- segment. Listen, I, I, sometimes I get angry about food. Sometimes we I, get angry about you about food. So I know sometimes I sometimes I get a little bit uh, euphoric about food. <laughs> That's a great last word. week was a little bit on the euphoria side, but today we're gonna go to a dark place. We're going to go to a dark place together, so, so come along with me. Uh, the Texas Rangers. I always like when they debut their new food mm-hmm. at the ballpark. They yeah. always have interesting stuff. Uh, I don't go to a ton of baseball games, uh, but I, I, I partake from time to time. But I also consider myself partake something... like it's a fine wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, dabble. I dabble a bit in Rangers baseball. A bit. But I, I also consider myself and i will say that there's probably some hubris in this right. but i consider myself a guardian of the fried food oh. novelty okay all right genre <laughs> uh for those of you who are familiar with my work i do a review of the new fried foods at the state fair when i can which is most years and corny dogs they're the thing at the state fair uh the og the iconic food of the state fair of texas now Cards on the table. <laughs> I am biased in this. I hate pickles. No one should ever eat them. But let me break this down for you. This is what the Texas Rangers have unveiled. They're calling it the Dilly Dog, and it is a pickle, which if somebody wants to buy a pickle, a dill pickle from a gas station and eat it, it's a free country, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that I will not judge you for doing that. Take a dill pickle. Put a hot dog inside of the pickle, mm-hmm. fry the whole thing, 
in a cornbread batter, <sighs> essentially like a swollen corn dog. Now, <laughs> swollen corn dog. <laughs> I'm sorry, that that <laughs> is pretty great. People, <laughs> listen, I, I'm not in denial. I know people are going to eat. People ate this today. Yeah, I'm not going to act well, like it didn't bother me. People always eat it, right? They always. I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight knowing people ate this. But yeah, people are going to eat this. When baseball season arrives, no matter how much I plead with them not to, and I'm about to. I've already done a little bit. But think about this. Somebody has to spend their days shoving hot dogs into pickles so that you so that you can enjoy that. If that's not a human rights violation, I don't know what is. So do do the right thing. All right. When it comes to the dilly dog just say no. <laughs> the world will be better for it. And I now ish I may have loaded the question. <laughs> but are you open to consuming a dilly dog? Absolutely not. Okay, so <laughs> I'm not biased. I, I I do like pickles. Um I like I, I, I'm not I like unsweet relish on my so I like actual almost pickle choppings on hot dogs. That's sure. okay with me. An entire pickle, no. The flavor that 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 flavor clash of an entire pickle is too much, right? Because uh, you know, like I said, I like relish, and so the the tartness with the hot dog isn't unappealing. It's too much. There's overload. There's overkill, and to me, there's one simple fix to this. You take the pickle, and you make it a jalapeno. See, I don't like spicy stuff. Oh, my God. See, I'm, I'm going to hijack this. Thing. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> you take the pickle. Walk me through this. And you make it a jalapeno. Then all of a sudden, boom, you don't have the tartness, the overt, like, overwhelming tartness of it. I wouldn't eat that, but I'm not as offended by that. You have a nice kick, right? And now the jalapeno, jalapeno doesn't have seeds in it, so it's not you're not going to die, right? So you're not going to die consuming it. You're going to have that nice little kick of spice, not overwhelming, and by the way, it's just overall more Texan and more more you know appropriate theme wise for the state, and it just tastes better. Like imagining, I'm imagining that because what's the worst part of a jalapeno are the seeds and like oh once you bite a seed oh god you're gonna you want water and you just want to you know I personally die. the worst part but of the jalapeno is the jalapeno. I'm not. I this is my segment now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think I think there's a simple fix to that. Long story short, the pickle is a terrible idea. I think somebody just looked around the kitchen and was like, what's that? Uh, let's put that in the hot dog, and there you go. It's, it's a meal. But I think it could have been easily fixed with hollowing out a jalapeno and using that instead because it's not as overwhelming. It's not as – I mean, because the pickle is going to dominate the, the bite, right? You bite into it, boom, you taste pickle. You don't taste the, the hot dog, and it's, it's just a bad idea. I appreciate the Rangers trying to – you know, constantly draw attention away from their hashtag campaigns that they do by releasing these crazy, <laughs> these crazy food items. But, um, you know, yeah, it's not, 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 not for me, not for me. Change it to a jalapeno, then we'll talk. I think this is the opening chapter of Ish and I starting our own novelty fried food company. I'm down for this that. Is, this is where this is where this is headed. I'm down for. We're that. gonna win the Big Tex Choice Award next next year. I'm down for that. We're coming up with our own thing. But that's for next week's episode, I guess. Deep fried jalapeno. Let's see if anybody's doing it. Probably is, but I don't care. Probably. I'll say. I'll say. Deep well, fried stuffed jalapeno. That's a good idea. Uh-huh. I can see that. I can see that. That's all we got for this week. Uh, A&M 
Texas, play the game. Do the right thing. Come on. Again, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Jimbo Fisher for coming on the show. Thanks to our fearless producer, Max Thompson, for pushing all the buttons and doing all the stuff behind the scenes to make us sound good. And, of course, my co-host for this week, Ishmael Johnson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for dishing out some hot Vince Young jalapeno takes. (laughs) And, again, this is the Republic of Football. Subscribe, rate, review, whatever you got to do. It only makes the show stronger. So thanks again. We'll see you again next week.